Welcome to the Betrayal Trauma SOS Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Brockbank. I love learning with you, and today I'm so grateful that you have chosen to join me. This week, we are discussing healthy ways to handle strong emotions. Let's learn together. I appreciate that you're here. Please note that this isn't therapy and I'm not a therapist. I highly recommend qualified help for your situation. Before we get going, I'd like to send a special welcome to some new listeners. So a big shout out to listeners from Ireland, Thailand, and Sweden. I'm pretty astonished and honored that this message is reaching so far and I love having you all here. A note as well that I often use many resources, and today is not an exception to that. Links to resources can be found by scrolling to the bottom of each episode description or under every episode at BetrayalTraumaSOS.com. I also have a tab on my website for resources that has links to various books, videos, therapy programs, etc. Right now what's there is some of my kind of basic favorite things, so I hope you'll check that out. One more thing that I wanted to note before we dive in today is last week I had some self-reflection and I was talking about my own thoughts on labeling people as addicts and said that I don't use that word when I'm talking to my husband or in public. But as I thought about it more thoroughly, I realized that sometimes I will differentiate between my husband's true self and his addict self. In truth, though, he really hates that. So I'm learning with you and choosing to make changes in regards to this in my own life. All right, emotions. When trauma hits, emotions can be all over the place. This is completely, completely normal. And if you're struggling with maybe high emotion or um, numb or anything in between, just know it's completely normal. One concept that I'll be referring to throughout this episode is that of a pendulum. And if you look at a pendulum, it goes from one side to the other. You know, it swings. Think of like a grand clock. What we're hoping to accomplish is not one extreme or the other. It's something in between. And when we inevitably go to one extreme or the other, we can at first notice, just notice And there's power in noticing, and eventually we will be able to change it. But if we can at first notice, then we start to have power to do something about it. While these principles apply to many people in many situations, I'm specifically addressing those who have loved ones with a sex addiction. And as such, I'd like to read to you a quote from Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. He says, quote, Traumatized people chronically feel unsafe inside their bodies. The past is alive in the form of gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies are constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs, and in an attempt to control these processes, they often become expert at ignoring their gut feelings and in numbing awareness of what is played out inside. They learn to hide from their selves. Close quote. So when we're dealing with sex addiction and a loved one, particularly I think if it's like a sexual betrayal because we're married to them, it's good to be aware that there are extreme, extreme emotions going on. When I first began recovery, I perceived negative emotions to be bad. 
I expected myself to be happy and to be cheerful, and I came to learn some neat things about this. And the first one is this. Emotions aren't good or bad. They just are. This is a quote from a website called Thought Catalog, and this is by Anna Gragert, who says, quote, When I started going to therapy, it was pointed out to me that I label my emotions as either positive or negative. In response to positive emotions, I push myself to stay on the train of happiness. As for negative emotions, I tend to push them away and feel as if I caused my own demise. Obviously, this is not healthy, but I feel that a lot of us tend to do this. We do not want to deal with painful emotions, which is why we throw ourselves into our work or paste a fake smile upon our faces. End quote. I have to tell you that when she says, obviously, this is not healthy, well, that wasn't obvious to me. <laughs> so if it's not obvious to you either, I invite you to come join me in my boat. I'd love to hang out with you. Have you ever had someone tell you when you are in the middle of severe emotional distress, things in an effort to help that go something like this? You can choose happiness right now. You just need to keep going. You need to focus on positive things. Just be positive. You're so lucky that blank didn't happen to you. And more, can I just suggest that boundaries with such people is going to be a necessity? Feeling invalidated while in the middle of severe distress and trauma is not helpful in the slightest for trauma. These types of phrases are often referred to as toxic positivity. In case it's validating for anyone, I'll link a HopeWorks video that's called Mourn with Those That Mourn to see healthy ways of addressing someone going through hard things. I think I'll save most of that discussion for a different day, though. This is more of an internal discussion of how we can handle emotions for ourselves. I spoke a moment ago about toxic positivity. Well, toxic positivity can be applied to us as individuals, too. We can apply it to ourselves. I'll give an example. Have you ever thought, I should be handling this so much better. Look at so-and-so's situation and look what they're doing. What else do you think you should do? Can I just mention that for me, when I think I should be somewhere or should be doing something, that is a very big sign that I'm not in a healthy place and that I'm in shame. I'm shaming myself for whatever emotions I'm going through. One of the first times that I learned that it was not bad to have um, anger or, or things like that, but when we look at the basic emotion, it's not bad, was when I had been through with my husband and our therapist a formal therapeutic disclosure. And afterwards, for I think like three months, I could not cry. And I tried. I tried to lean into the pain of it. I tried to watch sad movies to see if I would cry. I spoke with a therapist about it. I talked about it in group therapy and I worked through it with friends and could not figure this out at all. I could not figure out why I could not cry. A little more context of what I was going through too at that time. At that point, my husband was not doing well in recovery, and he had had some slips, and he hadn't reported them. And, you know, I could just feel in my, in my gut, I could feel with God, something was off, and I was telling him something was off, and he was not being honest. So this one day, though, 
I was kneeling down praying, and I had this strong impression that Heavenly Father was angry at my husband. And I thought, oh my goodness, you're angry? It was very validating to me. And I thought, hmm, can I be angry too? (laughs) And the thing was, as I leaned into that anger, tears started to flow. So obviously, when we talk about a pendulum of emotions, you know, when it comes to anger, I typically am pretty deficient in that area. People talk about getting stuck in anger, and I typically don't. And I don't judge anybody who doesn't. I just think we're all different. And I'm deficient the other way, and it holds me back in other ways. From that experience, I started to study anger in the scriptures a little bit better. I found multiple references of God being angry. I do welcome all religions here, and I will tell you, though, the next thing that I'll discuss is specific to Christian doctrine, so maybe it will apply to you in some other way, or maybe you can take what you like and leave the rest. A telling experience to me was when Jesus turned over the tables. So for anyone who's not familiar with Christian doctrine, I'll just give you a little bit of a of it to fill in about this story. This story is found in John 2, 13 through 16. And so Jesus had found all these people and, and they would sacrifice animals in the temple. So people would come and try to sell their animals inside the temple to those who might need an animal to sacrifice. Well, considering the sacred nature of the temple, this just really displeased Jesus. In fact, one could say that he was angry. But here's what I like about what he did. And this is verse 15 of John 2, and it says, And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. So here's the thing. He took the time beforehand to plan what he was going to do, so much so that by hand, he made a whip. That's what a scourge is, is a whip. I've come to see that anger isn't bad. It just depends on how we use it. It can't be bad or it can be productive. Back to my story with my husband. I remember that morning he came in to try to get me up off the floor of our bathroom, which was where I was praying to, um, I don't know, maybe help me accomplish things throughout the day instead of just pray. But I looked at him and I said, I am angry with you. And he was shocked. He was really shocked because that's not something that you normally hear from me. It's just not. And I remember the stunned look in his eyes. But I also remember that that was a moment of change for us. I think we get stuck sometimes. I know that I have on the thought of honoring emotions because it seems like, well, isn't that just indulging? And isn't that just going to keep me stuck in whatever bad behavior? And I just want to say that there is absolutely a difference. And when we honor ourselves with compassion, we oftentimes shift. This is a quote from Dr. Jonas Webb, who says, quote, Honoring an emotion involves sitting with it, accepting it, and trying to understand it. For some emotions, going through the process of honoring it is enough to make it tolerable, close quote. As I was wondering about a good model for how to handle emotions, I went searching for one and just couldn't find one um, for ways that had been effective for me. So I made my own. 
I will post this on social media in case it resonates with you, or in case maybe you'd just like to try it and you're not familiar with other models like I wasn't. There are five steps to my model, and you can see if this is a good fit or not. Maybe experiment. So step one of the Betrayal Trauma SOS Honoring Emotions model is this. Nurture, soothe, create safety. That's the first thing we need to do, especially if we're in any kind of trauma. For me, processing when I'm in trauma is a terrible idea. And I know that's so tempting. It's like, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? How can I calm this? What can I do to feel better? And honestly, if we can calm our minds down, our minds go into fight, flight, or freeze, and literally they believe we're in mortal danger. So the more we can say, hey, brain, (laughs) you are safe. Hey, brain, it's going to be okay. To offer ourselves self-compassion and love and whatever sounds good for the most part that's reasonably healthy. For step one, I highly recommend turning to episode three of the Betrayal Trauma SOS podcast. It's all about that. It's all about a first aid kit and how to soothe. It's as if we're in an earthquake and there's so many aftershocks that are happening. And how do we ride that wave to get to a more grounded place, basically? My second step is then to name the feelings. I recently saw a video on social media, on Instagram, in fact, by Amy Andrus, who is an therapist that I really love to follow. And Amy talks about a feelings wheel. And I've done this as well. Uh, but she says, put it on your phone, put a feelings wheel on the wall, put it, you know, just everywhere, basically, so that you can see it anytime. And to name an emotion really does have some power behind it. Feelings wheels are pretty powerful. I didn't understand the power of them until I actually started to use one. Sometimes when we're struggling and we can't think straight and it's just rough, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what we're feeling and seeing it written is very, very helpful. The third step is to normalize what we're going through because our tendency, at least mine, can be to shame myself. I shouldn't feel this way. It shouldn't be this extreme. I shouldn't be this out of control. And instead to say, hey, you, you've been through a lot. It is completely normal for you to feel this way. It will not always feel this way. You will be able to find some healing. But for now, it's okay that you do. It's completely okay that you do. If other people had been through what you have been through, they would feel the same way too. The fourth step is to do something with the pain. And I know that sounds very broad. Um, The trick is that this is so individual in nature. And sometimes what works in this instance might not work in another instance. So I'll give you a few ideas of things that have helped me to work through pain. Sometimes I might actually need to talk it out. That might be with a good friend. It might be with insights from a therapist. And sometimes talking doesn't really help at all. (laughs) Sometimes I need to maybe exercise. So yoga is wonderful. I don't know if you've ever been doing yoga and all of a sudden tears just start to fall. That is healing happening. That is something beautiful going on that is a gift. Something else that's critical is journaling. And there's something about journaling when you write it by hand, it is different. 
there's something different that happens to your brain. I've been working on this one lately. Um, I have the worst handwriting. I don't even know if I can go back and read all of what I've written, but the experience was powerful and it was profound. Another tool that I have been using is I actually have a different journal these days. I have two, one that I write in and one that is a multimedia notebook and I have pastel chalks and I will draw my emotions out. And then on the back, I'll put the date and I'll put uh, just a little brief thing about what it was about. And there's something about using that right side of the brain that really can help process emotions. Something else that I really, really, really want to try, but haven't been able to yet, and that is EMDR therapy. But I have seen enough uh, documentation on it, and I like in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, he has an entire section on it that's fascinating. It makes me say, hey, everybody should try EMDR. Honestly, I do honor that if that's not a path for you, so be it. I have a family member that is finding great success from traumas, from healing from traumas, with equine therapy. I find that one really fascinating because there's not really much talk involved or anything like that, but there's some healing that comes from taking care of, of this animal and bonding with it. Something else that I read about from the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which also has additional therapy things that are just fascinating. But I'll mention that this one is called neurofeedback, and it basically is retraining your brain to be calm and to respond differently. All right, so, so far, we have nurtured ourselves, we have named the feelings, we've normalized it, we've done something, and then there's this fifth step that's really critical to me, and that is compassionate acceptance. At this point, Hopefully we have enough information and enough understanding that we see what's going on and we're in a better place at this point. Acceptance for me really is the very last thing because that can take so much longer than any of the other steps. Sometimes acceptance of an emotion or something or an event might actually take me years to get to, although I'm getting better at it. I'm getting faster at it. But the more compassionate I can be towards myself, the faster that healing happens. I'm interested to know where you fit on this scale. If you feel like your pendulum swings toward a deficient side or if it swings towards getting uh, too much, I'd just really love to know. And I'd also love to know if this episode helped you in any way. Thanks so much for listening to the Betrayal Trauma SOS podcast. I am grateful that you joined me today. It was helpful for me to give language to my own process. If someone comes to your mind that might benefit from this podcast, would you consider sharing this with them? Next week, we will be discussing sex addiction. What is it? Would you consider subscribing to this podcast and maybe even leaving five stars? I hope that we can continue to heal together. Betrayal Trauma SOS is found on Instagram, Facebook, some content is found on YouTube, and at BetrayalTraumaSOS.com. Let's heal together.